you've done, I mean, seriously, just mind-blowing stuff. And the first thing I wanted to touch upon was something that you said that really hit me and I think is a catalyst for everything else you've done, which is I didn't know how I could be myself and be successful in business. And I think that a lot of people find that that's where they really trip up, where they have to either fake being somebody or they feel like they have to sacrifice their business to then really own who they are. So talk to me about how you first um, realized that you can be yourself and be successful and what that transition looked like. I think this is something I'm still working on, Uh actually. And bringing all of me in my multiple dimensions to my business has been something that I've struggled with. And I think it goes back to starting a business when I was so young. Mm -hmm. So I started my first business as a teenager. And I would say my first real company was when I was 21. And at that time, I felt like there was a certain way I had to show up and be in order to succeed. And it was a very male-dominated industry that I was entering. And I even had female mentors tell me, this is how you play the game. This is what you're going to have to do if you want to make it. And all the things that I was told I had to do and how I was told I needed to show up and be felt very counter to who I was at my core. And I think slowly the, the essence of me felt like it dissolved away a little bit. And it wasn't until a conversation actually with Ariana Huffington that I was sitting down with her and she said, you know, your generation, you get to do things differently. You don't have to, you don't have to do all these things that you feel you need to do in order to succeed. You can just be you, like just be you and be in your femininity And it's okay to be soft and all these ways of being that that you've been told, those are not true. And you get to do this your own way. And that really shifted things for me. And still, it's been a challenge because I feel like there are so many things I love talking about and diving into and experimenting with. And I still struggle with that voice in my head that says, If you show people all of this, will they still like you? In every moment, we have a choice to reveal ourselves or conceal ourselves. And it's a choice that we make. And it's still a a question that I have to ask myself and a choice that I have to actively make. Am I revealing myself right now or am I concealing myself? That's amazing. I'm so going to steal that, by the way, because I love asking myself questions. Um, and when you kind of make it binary, it has like one or the other. It kind of forces you to choose. In hindsight, what are the things that um, you now see that you like, oh, if I could have identified that in the moment, I could have made a shift quicker. Like if someone's watching right now, um, what are the things they can do to go, OK, actually, I'm, I'm you know, diminishing myself? The limiting belief that I was holding at the time was that I wasn't enough on my own who I really was and and bringing my essence to my business, that that would somehow mean I would not be successful. So I thought that who I really was was not someone who succeeds in the world or succeeds in the industry Mm -hmm. that I was entering. And the other part of that was 
will they like me? What are people going to think? And if people don't like me, if they think something about me that would cause a judgment, would that mean that I don't get certain opportunities? So those were the thoughts that were going through my head at the time. And I know so many people struggle with those. And if I could go back and speak to my younger self, I would say it's, it's when you choose to be you and who you really are, that's when the success comes. That's when the media comes. That's when the book deals come. It's showing up as who you really are. That's all the world wants from you. Do you think that speaking up now is almost opening doors for more people to own who they are? Yes. I think one of the most powerful things we can do is name our shame as well. And to be in real relationship with the people around us, with our friends, with our family, it starts there, showing up as who you really are there in those relationships. If you can't be intimate and open to the people who are closest to you, you're not going to be able to go out and do that in your business and in the world. Yet so many of us hide even with those who are closest to us. And I think that that's where the work starts. And I think the more of us that are showing who we really are and being authentic and and sharing what's actually going on for us. Like I used to hide behind this facade of wanting people to think everything was perfect and that I was always fine and always happy. And then I would have my breakdowns usually on my own Mm. and take myself through that process. But when I started talking about the things that were hurting me, the things that I felt shame around, the areas in my life and my business where I didn't feel good enough, that's when a lot of doors started opening. That's when the layers started to dissolve and I was revealing more of myself. And that's when I started attracting a lot more uh, opportunities that were like big career shifting opportunities. So I totally get like starting with the people close to you. The problem is, at least for me, I found is the people that were closest to me were the people that were trying to fit me into a box. And I don't necessarily think deliberately. I just think they've known me for so much of my life. They have, let's say, maybe some expectations of what I'm going to become. And so I found that it's usually the people closest to me that have those um, shouldn'ts. You shouldn't do this. You know, you need to be like this. So how do you make that first step into being the real you with the people closest to you that may be the ones that have the most judgment on you? Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the hardest things to do. And I have amazing parents and a family that I'm very close to. And yet it was so hard for me to show up as me in those dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I think we are all born into a world where everything has been given meaning for us. So we have so much conditioning around that. You know, we grow up with a worldview that is usually modeled after the people who raised us. And when you actually stop and look at all the ways that you've been conditioned and say, would I choose this for myself? Or if there was no meaning attached to this, what would I make it mean? How would I see the world? without all of those layers. And I think when you start to look at that, it gives you more freedom in how you choose to show up. And then communicating that though is a whole other, (laughs) it's a whole other uh, ball game. And actually this example just came up last week with one of the women that I work with. 
she is a designer now and really pursuing her creative passions, but she had gone to med school and that was the path that her parents had groomed her for, for her whole life. Her dad was a doctor and that was just an expectation and how she had been conditioned and how she saw her life path. And when what felt true to her was a completely different path, she still continued to do the things that her parents wanted her to do. And we looked at that and we looked at the ways that she was sabotaging her success in the art world and as a designer because she felt like if she succeeded in that, she was still such a disappointment to her family. And we started looking at the ways that she could show up in that relationship with her parents and speak her truth. It's something that you do in little bursts. You know, you slowly reveal yourself. You're not like, ta-da! This is who I am and this is not who I've been for the last several years in this relationship. But it's, it's the small shifts, I think, that allow you to create different dynamics over time. And I so love that you said that. And that was actually one thing um, I made a point about putting in your intro was, you know, everyone sees things as overnight successes, right? And the truth is, there's been 10, 15 years of struggle, grind, figure things out, failing, (laughs) Failing. falling on your face, picking yourself back Mm -hmm. up. And so people see it as the overnight success. But the truth is, it's one baby step at a time. And I know that you've spoken a lot about that on how you um, teach people and coach people into having a big vision, right? A goal. What is that? And then breaking it down step by step, baby steps, because you're never just going to jump there. And it needs to take time, but you have to get uber specific about what those baby steps are. So um, how do you get somebody to take that big grand goal and then break it down so that it doesn't just become, you know, this one dream that someone has, but they're never actually working towards it? Yeah. So When I have a big goal, I look at milestones first and the milestones are more like my, I think of them as mile markers during a marathon. So what are those big mile markers that you are setting that just help you to know that you're on track? And then within each of those, I do a brain dump of what all the tasks would be that are associated with that. So if I am writing a book right now, I'm finishing my next book. And I have mile markers for each chapter of the book. And then within each of those, I do a brain dump of around this topic. I ask myself around this topic, what is every little thing, every little story I can think about, uh, every exercise that I would maybe walk people through. And I list all of those and I will write all of that and then edit after. And you have to get so, so detailed. And when I break something down, Like right now for the next launch that we have coming up, there are about 1,500 tasks Wow! with that launch. So every time you think you've broken it down enough, break it down a little more because a task shouldn't be more than about an hour. Okay. So a task might be drafting one email that's part of the launch. And then another task would be finalizing the edit of that email, just as an example. And that's only one tiny, tiny, tiny piece of it. So that's the, the tactical side of achieving something. And then there's also leaving space for magic, leaving space for a different door to open that might actually feel like a door you want to walk through. 
Here's a great example. This morning, when I was coming here to the studio to meet you, I used the app Waze. And for anyone who doesn't know what the Waze app <laughs> is, you, pro you need it in Los Angeles. You program in your destination, and then it will get you there the fastest, mm -hmm. even if that means not taking the main paths to get you there. So you might end up on these tiny back roads or going through neighborhoods. Sometimes I get taken through alleyways. <laughs> and the way that I would have drove here mm -hmm. this morning is very different than the way that I ended up getting here this morning because I trusted this app to take me on all these little roads that brought me here fastest. And sometimes we hold a vision And the best thing that we can do is surrender our attachment and our desire to, to control every part of achieving that goal. So when you can just hold the vision and then you surrender how you get there, mm. you may not get there the way that you thought you would, but if you leave space and you are open to the universe presenting a different way there, it's amazing what can unfold from that. And it's in those moments where I have surrendered and let go of control and just trusted, trusted the yes, even when it didn't make sense, even when it went against what felt logical. Mm. Every time I do that, that is where the magic has been for me. So then how do you, let's take the example of you moving to the US from Canada. You actually had told yourself, this is probably not going to be good for the business. Like this is probably going to go opposite because I have to slow down. I have to figure out Los Angeles. I have to figure my life there. So how do you, in moments like that, where let's say you've got the grand goal, you've broken down all the steps and then you get an opportunity let's say like moving to LA and you're like these actually may not go um, hand in hand they may not complement each other one's actually maybe moving me away from the other how do you know when to take the magic and trust it and then when to go this actually isn't magic it's actually a distraction being able to focus on your truth and honing your intuition is such a key part mm -hmm. of having success in anything And that comes down to listening to the whispers, like your intuition, life, the universe is always whispering to you. And if you don't trust the whispers, it will become a very loud roar. I like that. <laughs> And what I, felt, what I felt in Canada, what I was feeling is I had this feeling of being a tree that was planted in a small pot in a living room. And... If you have a plant, you can always repot it and keep on repotting it. But I felt like there was no pot that was going to be big enough for me to stay in this living room. And I had to trust that that calling of my soul was steering me in the right direction, even though it went against what felt logical. And I think the more we trust the whisper and just take that small step, the more evidence we give ourselves that we can make that happen again and again and take that step, the next step, the next step. There's a Martin Luther King quote that I love that faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. Mm. And that is all we have to do moment to moment. You don't have to get caught up in, I need to be here and I have to get there in this particular way. It's about just taking that first little step and trusting, just trust the whispers. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, 
it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. And how do you separate the whispers that are actually um, helping you and the negative voice that you mentioned earlier that is holding you back? Mm. That you can feel in your body. So the voice in your head that is distracting you or like throwing you off, that usually feels very differently. And it usually feels like it's up here. You don't feel that as much in the body. And when you're following, and again, I think all of us experience this in a different way. So I'm sharing my experience. When I am walking my path, when I know that I'm on the right path for me, I feel that in my heart space. And it feels like a, it feels like this deep desire, and I feel it like deep in my core. Mm. I feel it in my bones. Whereas when it's a distraction, or when it's doubt, or a limiting belief, it's more in my headspace. And you might be able to just start to check in with yourself when you're hearing those voices, and 
see where it is for you and how it feels and speak to it as well. The other practice that I have, and this might sound a little woo-woo for some people, but I speak to those feelings and sensations. So if I'm hearing that voice, I'll say like, what, what message do you have for me? What do you want me to know? And are you, are you just trying to protect me or what is your intention? And I'll speak to the feelings and that helps me to get more information and more clarity as well. I love that. Yeah, I find that it's more, the voice is more like fear-based and it's trying to stop me from doing things, mm -hmm. but the whisper is more like propelling me to do things. Yes, uh, it feels totally differently. The other, this is a really fun tool that you can use as well. I learned this from a meditation master that I was training with in China a long time ago, and he would have me eat my decisions that I was trying to make. So what do you mean by that? This is still one of my favorite decision-making processes. You have these decisions or things that you're contemplating, or you have like one voice in your head telling you something and you have another voice telling you something else. You visualize that thought and you, you visualize yourself eating it and you feel how it goes down, how it moves through your body, how your body digests it. And then you do it for the other one as well. And it's amazing how many times a decision, even sometimes a decision that I'm like, that is a great decision. Yeah. And I'll go through this process that he taught me and it will feel prickly. It will feel like my tummy doesn't want it. And then I'll have this other decision that I'll visualize eating and it feels completely differently going around. So that's another like weird tool, but I like giving people weird tools yeah. to, <laughs> to use uh, as they are navigating their lives and their businesses. And you know, sometimes the decision feels like ice cream. Sometimes it feels like Oh, that's a, now, see, now you're really getting into my world where I love to, the visualization <laughs> of like, is yeah. it sugar and is it going to make me jittery mm -hmm. or is it, you know, warm bone broth that's going to make me feel warm and fuzzy and cozy? Mm -hmm. oh, exactly. I love that so much. Yeah, it's I'm like so when you eat that decision or you eat that thought, what is it, what kind of food does it end up being? Yeah, yeah. How does that food go yeah. through your system? That's yeah. amazing. Um, or keep, let, uh, let's keep talking about fear because I know it's something that you've spoken about, like that you always like move towards fear, lean, like lean into the fear. Lean and in seeing where you've just become incredibly successful in all the things that you've done, it really feels like you've had to lean into the fear to do it. And I know the one example that I love is when you were arranging the female retreat at Nika Island. And you said it's like, you literally felt like you were jumping off a cliff because you had to put so much money up front to support that. Um, and you didn't know if it was actually going to work or talk to me about that because so many people would stop at the second they realized like the dangers of doing something like that. I think we all experience fear. And one of the things that people ask me from the place that I'm in now is like, well, you must not feel that anymore. Like in the beginning, it must have been so scary. And I'm like, I'm, I feel more terrified now actually with a lot of the decisions that I make because it feels like the stakes are so much higher. Mm -hmm. And when I was starting my business, I didn't have a lot of people that relied on me like I do now. Mm -hmm. Now having team members, having people who for their own family's well-being rely on the income that they make for me, that creates pressure mm. and responsibility that I didn't have when I was starting out. So I actually 
feel a little bit more fear now when I'm making decisions than I did then. The difference is that now I'm always willing to face off with it. I'm always willing to have a conversation with that fear and not let it run the show. And when we look at it, when we choose to say, what is, what is here for me? Like, why, why is this coming up? For what purpose is this fear coming up? And having that conversation with it. And in this case, it was, it was totally about the finances because I paid exit taxes to leave Canada and I had I'd spent a lot of money on the move. And so having this huge deposit and this, this risk come right after that, that felt scary. And then when I asked myself, okay, in the past, when we've when we, this is me talking to fear now, in the past, when we've decided to go through with the decision, even when I've been afraid of what it would mean financially, even when I was afraid of it costing me my business or costing me everything. And what if, you know, going to the worst case scenario, playing all of that out, has that, has that happened? Has that ever transpired in that way? Or do I have evidence of things actually working out really, really well when I trust my intuition and I step up to the plate, even though I'm afraid? And again, this is just continuing to, um, to push through it is what gives you that evidence. And I'm always looking for evidence of where things in my life have worked out really, really well. And then documenting it. You know, I love how Gary Vaynerchuk talks about documenting your life, not like creating your life to be perfect and to have people looking at it thinking, oh, wow, that person has it all together, but like documenting everything so that you can really learn your lessons and you can see and reflect on where you've been and what decisions have, have been really good ones that have led you to where you are. And so in the documentation process for me, in the journaling, in always reflecting Every single quarter, I write out a reflection of the lessons that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made and what I've learned from those and how I can share those lessons. That's what allows me to move forward in trust Mm. and in faith, even through the fear. But even if you have like the most amount of faith, when you're putting down, uh, because you put down a hell of a lot of money for that event, like how do you look at your past and your documentation and maybe in fact take me through it so you you go to make this decision you look at your documentation yes (laughs) i love i love this okay we see things as being way bigger problems than they actually are and it's been my travels all over the world i've been to about a hundred countries that have put so many things in perspective for me because when i play out my worst case scenario of if this goes horribly wrong, if this blows up in my face, what is the worst case scenario? And you know what? For most of us, the worst case scenario is not that bad. I have people that would support me Mm. and that support system is everything. I know that I would, I know that my worst case scenario that my mind can actually go to would not end up playing out. And we are so... We are so fortunate that we have the opportunities that we have. Like every single person that's watching this has opportunities that so many other people in the world do not even have access to. Mm. So I feel like it is our responsibility to trust our intuition and to trust what we feel called to do, even when it's scary. 
I know an amazing entrepreneur. I won't, I won't say her name, but has had so much success. And she ended up having, she went for this business. It became very, very successful, was an eight figure company and it ended up failing. And she had to move back in with her parents as a mother in her thirties. And it was painful And when she looks at that being her worst case scenario, like that's the place she got to rebuild from and she was still okay. And she found resilience in that. So I know that for some people it's easier than for others. It depends on your circumstances. And I've just, I've been out in the world. I've seen, I've seen people have such beautiful dreams and desires and not have an opportunity to pursue those. So I feel like it's my responsibility to always pursue what I feel is mine to pursue. And in this case, that event, it felt like I was meant to create that. And I didn't know the reasoning for it. I just felt so strongly that it had to be a yes. And that was one of the ones where I talked about whisper and roaring truth. For me, I ignored the whispers for a few months on that. And then it became a very loud roar of, you are doing this and you have to do this. And it would not leave me alone. It consumed my thoughts all day long. <laughs> and I love that feeling, though, because it's when you try to quieten uh-huh. it and it just won't go away. To me, that's an indicator. It's like, all right, you really, you've done everything you possibly can to ignore this. You've convinced yourself it's not the right thing to do. You know, you've spoke, tried to talk yourself out of it, but it just won't go away. Yes. And when it just won't go away, for me, that's a massive indicator. I was like, all right, you need to take the first step to see if this, this can be real and this does feel as good as you, you know, you're hoping it to be. And there is an aliveness when you play to your edges. There is an aliveness mm, that you can yes. only feel when you are taking the leap. And I think that our, I think we long for that on a very deep level. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's Tony Robbins who always says, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. And that's true of everything. That's how we get to know ourselves better. That's yeah. how we get to know our strengths. And that's how more of our purpose is revealed to us as well. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we chase our purpose as something that we need to find. Like I, I hear so many people when I'm at events and I'm, I'm speaking or I'm on a panel who say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't, I don't know if I'm living my purpose right now. I don't know if I have a purpose. How do I find my purpose? It's something that so many people ask themselves. And mm-hmm. I have come to believe that we just keep taking those steps forward and our purpose slowly gets revealed to us. But it is a slow revealing. It is not one day, this is your purpose. Because I'm doing things today that I feel are part of my purpose that I didn't even know existed 10 years ago. For me, it was massive to realize like what I'm working towards, what feels right, having that purpose. Um, but at the same time, like I don't think that people have to figure it all out there and then or, you know, be very dogmatic about what their purpose is because it can change over the time. I don't think we know what it is until the very end. I don't think we know As what it is until like deathbed. Uh, until we're taking our dying breaths. I don't think we know our purpose. I think we operate from a compass, from this compass that is our true north, that is always guiding us towards 
what our highest and best use on this planet is. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you will be able to say, that's what I was here for until, until your dying breaths. Interesting. How often do you think about that dying breath? Often. Do you really? I do too. I do. I, I think about it a lot. You know, I, since I've lived in Los Angeles, I, I've made it a ritual to go down to the ocean pretty much every day at sunset. So I don't book any calls during that time. I ride my bike down to the water and I watch the sunset. And since I was a little girl, every sunset I ever saw I always had the thought, I always still have the thought, I wonder how many more of these I'll get. I wonder how many more sunsets I'll get to watch. And it's just this moment every day that brings me back to what is real and what is true. And Steve Jobs was the one who said he would look in the mirror every day and ask himself if I took my last breaths today, did I live today the way that I would have wanted to live it? And I think that's a powerful question to ask ourselves mm-hmm. often. And if you are, if you're saying no to yourself too often, if you're saying today was my last day, I definitely wouldn't have lived it this way. Yeah. That's something for you to really look at. All right. So how do you balance that with one thing which I actually agree with, but you've said um, people need to embrace like the, mm-hmm. the, um, the pain of the moment for the future goal. So how do you look at today <laughs> being your last day and am I really doing what I love? And at the same time, recognizing that sometimes you need momentary pain right now for that future pleasure and goal. It's mm, a good question. If you look at the long-term, like, are you doing the things today that are really mattering? And Mm -hmm. I often ask myself, am I doing something today? And it doesn't have to be everything, but am I, am I doing something that's going to matter a year from now Mm -hmm. in my life and in my business? So I think for me, the balance is every day I'm doing something that feels like it's part of the bigger picture while also practicing self-care while also focusing on my own joy and growth and aliveness. And I get my priorities out of the way before I ever move to a to-do list. And my to-do list, I feel, is just never done. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. So it's about getting those few priorities every day done, listening to your intuition, and then making sure that you find that joy and pleasure along the way. Because the more I'm tapped into my pleasure the more I can actually push through any pain that might come up in the, from the priorities and from the things I know matter long-term. For me, it's, I mean, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. It's if I know, okay, on my deathbed, I'm working towards something that is truly meaningful to me. And let's say on my last day on earth, it sucks. And I'm, for whatever reason, I'm struggling with whatever I'm doing. And then I get hit by a bus and I'm on my deathbed. I'm like, even though it sucked, like the pain that that came um, before, it's still in service of something that I'm so passionate about that I still find the joy in it. Mm. And it's the focusing on that. What am I doing today to get me to where I really want to go or what I want to achieve? And then focusing on that. And I think we can have all of it at the same time. You know, the human experience is beautiful and it's messy and it's dark sometimes. And it's pain and it's joy and pleasure. It's 
aliveness, it's death, it's all of those things. And I think sometimes we think that we can only hold one of those truths at any given time. And if you've been to, if you've been to a funeral, I think it's actually a beautiful example of that where people are sad and you are grieving the loss of somebody that you loved. And at the same time, you're looking at these pictures and you're remembering, you're remembering what they brought to your life and you're remembering the contribution that they made and you're able to find this relief in that. You're able to be soothed from that. You're able to laugh through the tears. Like we can hold it all. We don't have to choose between pain and pleasure in a day. We can, we can be with all of it. That's amazing. another great analogy, like a funeral. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about um, is that you write letters to yourself. Yeah. I love that so much. I would love to get our viewers doing this as well. I have had this practice since I was very young. Like as a kid, I would write myself letters that I would put into a drawer in these envelopes and I would open them like months later. And as I grew up, it became more of a formal process where if I was working towards a goal or something, or I was holding a vision, or I just got a glimpse of a possibility in my life, I would, I would write myself a letter to me in that place. So I would get a glimpse of something that was possible for me, a glimpse of producing a film. And I would write myself a letter to me in that place. Having achieved it? Yes. Okay. So dear Natalie, after producing your first documentary. Okay. And just whatever, whatever flowed is what I would write. It wasn't always like, yeah, way to go you. Sometimes it was about something I was feeling in the moment or fears that were coming up as I was thinking about pursuing that. It it was just whatever flowed. Mm. One of these letters, actually my past birthday, this last birthday, I had a letter to myself for this particular birthday. So I, I seal the envelopes and I write the date that I'm supposed to open it. And the letter was like, And I actually opened this in front of everyone that was at my birthday and I read it out loud. So I didn't even know what was in it anymore. Because you didn't remember. Yeah, it was from like three years ago. And it, it was, dear future me, I am sitting in immigration right now and I've never experienced pain like this before. I left behind my home. I packed everything into a suitcase. I don't know what's gonna happen next. I left behind everybody that I love and see on a regular basis and who supports me for what feels like this journey into a very dark forest. I don't know where I'm going to end up. And in the letter, I said, the vision I'm holding that is getting me through this is being able to see you surrounded by the most amazing soul family wherever you end up and here I am reading this and I'm surrounded by all these amazing people and I'm crying and everyone else is crying and it was such a beautiful moment because it reminded me too of the courage that I had Mm -hmm. to take those steps that led me to that moment and that led me here and my whole world has expanded here from taking that leap but it was painful to get here. So these letters serve as documentation, like we were Mm -hmm. talking about. And you can pick any date in the future that you want. It could be the day you achieve a certain goal and 
You can write it for anything. I have another friend who wrote it to the day that she becomes a mom and write a letter to your future self. How, how are you feeling in, in this moment? What do you think that actually then does to our psyche? Is it just acknowledging feelings that you haven't said out loud? Like, what do you think that process is and why it works so well? I think in, in the moment, it gives you the awareness of what might block you from being able to, to actually get there. Mm -hmm. Because you go into all the stuff that comes up for you. And I think it's a way of processing that, which is... 100% necessary for you to do any of the things that you want to be able to do in your life. And then I think on the other side, when we, when we read it, we get to celebrate the journey. And sometimes we get so caught up on the big things that we're trying to achieve that we don't acknowledge ourselves day to day. Or it's easy to think, well, I'm not moving fast enough. Why am I not further along in my life? I hear that from a lot of people. I was speaking to a 50-year-old man just a couple weeks ago, and he was like, I just turned 50, and this is not where I wanted to be. I haven't done any of the things I've wanted to do in my life. And I said, tell me a few things that, that you have wanted to do, that you've done. And when I started to remind him of that, and he started to say, well, you know, my daughter is amazing. And she's having a baby soon and I'm going to be a grandpa. And when he started going through the things that he felt really proud of, it shifted his whole way of being. And I think the, the self-acknowledgement is important because it, it goes back to, we were talking about this evidence. We need, we need to be able to show ourselves that we can do big things in our lives and not just big things, but small things that lead to big things yeah. as well. That we can achieve things that we set our mind to. Yes. Yeah. And that we can evolve and we are, we are constantly shedding off more and more layers and yeah. revealing more of ourselves to the world. Yeah. So I love and, that reminder. And I love that, that you can then use it as a habit because I know you're massive mm. on habits as well. You're a big fan mm. of that. You can use that as a, as a mm. habit, right? Like you can keep going back to, oh, no, mm -hmm. I've, I've done it before. You can do it and kind of just keep repeating yeah. that. And I think when we're, in, uh, when we're in a space where we're down on ourselves, like mm. some of the days where I am just having a day <laughs> and I'm like, I can't wait for this day to be over. You yeah. know, we all have those days where we're just like in it. We and all have those we days. We all have those days. Oh my goodness, we all have those days. And when I have those days, I have what I call a boost box. Okay. And in my boost box, I have, it's mostly letters from clients. Oh. So I've received the most beautiful notes from clients, from readers of my books, from all over the world. And on the days where I'm like, do I even want to be doing this anymore? Like, yeah. I feel like giving up. Nothing's going according to plan. I open up this box that has some of these accomplishments and some of these letters that I've written myself and letters I've got from other people. And it reminds me that I'm on the right path. Yeah. And it reminds me of who I really am and what I'm offering to the world. And it lights me up. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we all want to feel like what we're doing matters and that we matter. Yeah. 
So talking about how you serve people, your videos that you do on She Takes on the World are so incredible. Um, tell me a bit about that. Like I know for you, it's the learning that was a big thing for you. And the fact that you're willing to then capture all these videos and you're going around and um, really testing yourself and showing people in real time the things that you're learning as well, I think is so incredible. What made you start that? And then where, where's the end or do you have an end goal for it? What's the, what's the plan? Yeah, so with the, the latest seasons of She Takes on the World TV, it's me taking on some type of ritual or habit or learning. And I wanted to do that because people always say to me, well, it, that must be easy for you. Like you have access to the best doctors. So you get to have advice that we don't get to have or you get to have an amazing business coach that I don't have access to. So because of who you have access to and what you're learning, you have such a leg up on me. And I wanted to show people these conversations that I have with some of the people that help me. And these these episodes, I, I also did a series, the Superhuman Entrepreneur Series, with a team of medical professionals who helped me recover from burnout. And I mean, I did like a stool and saliva and urine sample <laughs> all being filmed. And I shared this with people to show them like, here's what happens when you aren't sleeping enough. And here's what the recovery process looks like. And here's what you can do in your life with the resources that you have. So I'm always just helping people to approach life with more of a curiosity as well. And I think that that's one of the things that has allowed me to do all the things that I've done, to travel so many places, to build my businesses. I'm curious about everything. I'm curious about everyone. And I'm open to learning from all of life, from everyone, from every experience. Those are the things that inspire me. And that shows in everything that you do. Thank you. But before I ask my last question, where can these guys find you online and all the incredible stuff that you're doing and putting out there? Yeah, come visit me on Instagram at Natalie McNeil, and that's M-A-C-N-E-I-L. So that's a great place to connect with me. I would love a DM. I want a DM from all of you watching of like the best little nugget or lesson that you're taking away from my beautiful talk with Lisa. I've loved, I've loved our conversation. Mm-hmm. And come visit me on shetakesontheworld.com. And I'm also on Facebook at Natalie McNeil. Amazing. And now for my last question, what do you consider your superpower to be? Ooh. I can bend time and expand time. And I don't operate within the confines of time that a lot of people operate from. Every year, the number of things I can get done while still getting to be down on Santa Monica Beach for sunset every night is a result of my relationship to time. I don't tell myself things like, I'm so busy. There's never enough time to do all the things that I want to do. I always have enough time for my relationships, for the people that I love, for the work I want to do in the world. And shifting my relationship to time has just been a a gift that I feel has impacted so many areas of my life. And I think that's my superpower. So next time you're 
rushing around or you feel so, so busy or you don't have enough time, I hope that you'll ask yourself the question, is that, is that true? And what if, I, what if I believed the opposite? What if instead I believed that I always have enough time and who would I, who would I be, how would I be showing up in the world if I believed that I always have enough time?